0: Everybody. welcome to Burke reviews movie Club I'm John Burke and with me as always Corey starr hello hello and we are on our last episode of howdy partner or as I uh, called it on the graphic Burke Bonanza uh, which is where we picked <laughs> westerns uh, that we had not seen before uh, in the nature of movie club this is a podcast where uh, Corey and I are trying to narrow our gapless those are movies we have not seen but feel like we should or wanted to or in our case a lot of times we've purchased and just haven't got to yet uh, cuz Cory and I are avid movie collectors and um we decided to do westerns this month cuz it's really hot in July at least here in Florida it's been super hot and there's been a heat wave all over the the country I don't know have you had a hot uh summer so far Cory
1: I yesterday I can't remember if it was 101 or 104 oh,
0: wow that's our
1: hottest yeah our hottest time of the day though is like at like five to seven and even last night at like nine o'clock it was still like 97 degrees
0: wow um okay yeah, but it stays it, sunny later right
1: uh usually yeah in the summer sometimes i feel like people think i'm probably crazy or something but we can still have sunlight like 9 30 almost 10 it'll be hmm. like you know setting and uh bill's birthday is friday uh behind the scenes why i mean we're recording early for us because i'm really busy with birthday stuff but uh friday's his birthday and then saturday it's supposed to be 112 oh wow yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that's torture um that's
1: cory renee don't go outside star
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that sounds awful um i mean it's hot like that here all the time in florida but uh that late it's usually dark by, like, 8 o'clock here. You know, uh, 8.30 at the latest, it's still, like, a little bit light outside, but it's it's definitely usually cooling down. And we've had some good rain this week. Uh, oh, nice. And it helps keep the temperature at least, you know, moderate compared to uh, when there's no rain. Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, that's... This month made sense to do westerns, and uh, our last western of the month I picked, and it's The Searchers, directed by John Ford, starring John Wayne. We'll get into all those uh speci- no, that's right uh we'll get into all those specifics uh a little later when we get to our review um but before we do that Corey and i like to talk about what's been going on which we just started that already and what we've been watching um you know i'm i'm starting to gear up for work because i've been on summer break i got about two weeks left give or take before i'm like full back into work um i actually had to go to work today to uh to meet with my boss um for some side projects i'm going to be doing um as i often do like uh, printing posters, and um, I'm a, a couple of different committees that I help with, and uh, I design our agenda and stuff. I have a I have a diverse skill set, so I get used in a lot of different places, um, which is great. It's, it makes you know makes me a valuable asset to our our school, as I can do a lot of different things instead of having to hire multiple people to do those things. So, um, that's kind of been my week. Is just like starting to get ready for like normal work so like playtime is starting to be less and I'm having to do some lesson planning and stuff like that so it's it's been less fun than I've had because I've been I meant to do more of that throughout the summer and then I was just like yeah I'll keep putting it off um I'm pretty prepared but you know I
1: feel like it's gone so fast
0: it does it goes by really really quick um you know and uh same thing with money you know I have a, a I have three fillings next week and my daughter has two i think so like and we're having them done at like basically the same time and it's a lot all at once and i i -hmm. feel like i've been paying so i i didn't have insurance as a kid because my mom's job was like she was a bartender there was no benefits um and then she didn't work for most of my adult like not adult life but like teenage to adult life when i became independent um and so I never had insurance. So my like I had major teeth problems, which I got most of fixed two years ago. Um, but I now I still have some stuff. But I'm also now trying as a, a dad to not let my daughter go through what I went through. So I'm making sure her teeth are being, you know, kept up well ahead of time. But um, I do I do, I feel like insurance is such a scam because oh yeah I've barely used it and I've paid for it for way longer than I've used it. And I understand like you don't get to carry it over or whatever, but like my the amount they're paying versus what i have to pay it feels like why am i even paying for the insurance like if i had been putting that money aside for a year i feel like it wouldn't it would be better um and i guess the goal is that you hit your deductible and then you get a bunch of additional work done i guess or something like that right is that how that works like once you hit your deductible you don't have to pay anymore (laughs)
1: Well, but then, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but my dental has a cap on it each year, so... Yes! Because I've also had to have extensive dental work done, and I just had to get a crown done last week, and it was still a shit ton of money, like... Yeah. And that's, yeah. like, I think half of my benefit for the year. Of course, my cleanings and stuff don't come out of that, but still.
0: I don't I don't get how any of the insurance works. There's so many things, and as a teacher, I'm going to say this. We, as teachers, need to be allowed to teach life skills more because yes! these are things that I've not learned um, and until until now, I mean I'm 36 now so I, I should have learned some of this stuff years ago but because of fear of dental work I avoided it and so now I'm learning it and it is a nightmare um, because I don't get paid a whole lot as a teacher so you know it, it's uh, it's a struggle and it, you know you just have to accept the fact that um, I assume our debt, our financial debt does not follow us into the grave so <laughs> you know it's just gonna have to be yeah. whatever it is. Um, I'm trying my best, but you know, there's only so much uh, stuff you can do. But I think uh, you're doing great. Yeah, oh, thanks. Uh, you know, but so the teeth stuff, I'm I'm a little dreading, um, and I am I'm spending a little more money because I'm I'm a baby and I am paying for the not the nitrous. Uh, <laughs> Oh,
1: it just makes me think of skeleton twins
0: yeah i i just i can't i can't like just have it done um i know there's a lot of people I'm who talk are just Taylor. yeah well, she's not having the nitrous um i but, know but okay. you. yeah yeah oh okay but yeah um so we'll see how that goes uh but um we are uh recording a little early which is throwing me off too by the way like i i I kept thinking we already recorded this episode. Like, I'm like, we've already got The Searchers. Oh, wait, was I supposed to watch a movie? I'm like, no. Wait, we haven't talked about The Searchers yet. So um, I was like all day today just like flabbergasted. But um, have, is there anything else going on before we get into what we've been watching that you want to mention?
1: Um, no, just thanks for – I'm also seeing uh, Nathaniel Rateliff on Thursday. I'm really know. excited.
0: Is that a musician?
1: Yeah, God, I love them. I think that's going to be a party. I'm also oh. realizing that I'm feeling a little old, but um, that was so. We have birthday stuff for Bill tomorrow on Friday, so thanks for recording early.
0: Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. My birthday is coming up in a few weeks, um, August 7th, so uh, I'm not excited, but it's funny because, like, I feel like the last couple of years, my birthday just kind of came and went, and it was like, no, not a big ta da. Although, I, I will say, one of my co workers, uh, most of my life, my birthday was during the summer, like when I was in school and as a teacher. Like, so my my birthday is not around, you know, my friends at school, nor is it around my coworkers. And I think it was last year, it might've been the year before, it was like the first time I had to work on my birthday. And one of my uh, good friends that is a coworker brought me um, cinnamon rolls, like for my birthday. Like they home, like it's our culinary teacher. So she's like really, really good at cooking anyways. But, like, she made me, like, homemade cinnamon rolls, and it was amazing. I am hoping she does not do that because we will be working on my birthday because I am not eating um that type of thing anymore. And I, it will. You be, can't
1: have one cinnamon roll for your birthday?
0: I'm pretty sure one is not going to stop. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's one of those why I'm where I'm at in the first place is because it's hard for me to eat one sweet. Uh, I can. I can stop, of course. I have self-control, but I would want to eat more than one.
1: I can appreciate that, but you were just telling me about a blizzard or something the other day, and you reeled it in real good, so. Yeah, I
0: did, I did, uh, but, and it was, it was on 4th of July, um, it was a special treat. Um, I have to say, I've been eating the Enlightened, uh, ice cream bars, um, they are, uh, like, nine net carbs, and only like, 80 calories, um, and they're pretty good. I like the, I don't, there's, they also do the, um, like, the pints, but the pints are hard, because it's like, half a cup, and like, who eats ice cream like that you know what i'm saying like it's hard to measure you're gonna eat the pint that's what you're gonna eat and that's too much but the ice cream bars it's the serving size is one bar and it's like oh that's easy to manage so that's what i have found uh very a nice sweet treat um you know when, when the days where i don't eat a lot of other carbs but uh i am going down 47 pounds uh for the year. hell yes so i I'm... was gonna
1: ask and then i was like maybe that's rude
0: you know at this point i've hit a number where i'm i mean i still am not where i want to be but i've hit a number that i'm proud of like that i've i'm uh almost at 50 pounds loss for the year um and i i am i've hit some personal milestones that i'm proud of and i'm excited and also it's getting easier a lot of stuff um you know uh just like dealing with hunger and i found um love of like pickles which i used to like i've oh, always liked pickles. pickles but now it's like they're a really low carb low calories like quick easy filling kind of m- thing
1: how many carbs
0: are they the ones that i really like are the uh i oh, thought crap i always forget the brand they're the ones that you have to get in the cold section of the grocery store like they're already... oh, like the big like the, well i cup? i buy the uh the like the thin slices of them though because that's i like that better they're really crunchy and crispy um uh-huh. It's a classic. I think it's classic. Yeah, uh, that's what I was going for. It's it's they're always kept cold though, and I don't for some reason to me they just taste better um, that way, and like they're uh, less than a carb per slice. Um, it doesn't say exact. Uh, it, depending on what you look at, some say zero because it's so little that you would have to eat like three or four for it to be a carb. Um, but they're also you know they're filling and they're tasty and easy to eat. But um yeah, that's been you know my week is you know and transitioning back to work i have to uh change my i've been going to the gym five days a week over summer but during this when school starts back especially because of my, my teaching the night classes I, i'm gonna go to three days a week um but i've got like you know pretty solid routine in place so it's all it's all gravy just getting ready no nope, gravy's bad it's all um low carb ketchup so Corey, we like to talk about what we've been watching what have you seen since the last time we recorded?
1: Okay, so um I watched I think I was on Shudder. Um and I watched The Vault of Horror, which I really like. It's a horror anthology from the early seventies, I think, and it's based off of the Tales from the Crypt and another um horror magazine comic book that mm. used to be out um definitely haven't seen it as much as creep show but i still enjoy it and then we watched american werewolf in london
0: love that movie
1: me too someone was i like kept seeing the howling everywhere for some reason and i'm like why are people watching the howling it's so bad you can send me hate mail mail i don't care we can
0: yeah neither Corey say... nor i were fans of the howling um which we oh, did God. an episode on a while back um but i've watched a lot um I've been, I, I think I mentioned I started playing Magic again, uh, the card game. And so that's a, a habit that you can easily kind of spend time like building decks and messing with cards without actually doing anything. So it's just like your hands are busy, but you can watch a movie or whatever. And that was kind of how I spent Sunday. But um, I've also mentioned I've been listening to the Blank Check podcast and uh, I'm finishing Michael Mann movies. I have one more Michael Mann film to watch, uh, which because I watched one today. Um, and then I have one more left, and then uh, I had to finish a couple of Paul Verhoeven films that I had not seen, so on Saturday I watched Basic Instinct for the first time, um, which was a movie that I was like, it's very infamous for a specific scene where she uncrosses her legs at an interrogation, um, but I had not seen the movie, nor that scene, um, until watching it. One, it is uncomfortably sexual, like I did not realize how much sexuality would be in Basic Instinct it's a lot like there's a lot of sex in that movie it's michael douglas and uh sharon stone are in a lot of scenes um and like the murder sequences uh, the movie opens with a murder sequence that is real brutal oh. like it is uh because it's a mystery movie um it's it's definitely interesting paul verhoven is a w- really weird director uh he does a lot of interesting stuff but some of his movies are really bad i'm not sure where i fall with basic instinct but it's it was pretty crazy um and then i watched on sunday i started the day off with a real tough movie Uh, i don't know if you've heard of this vox lux Mm. it came out last year it stars natalie portman kind of she's only in the second half of the movie um but she plays like a pop star she's a singer yeah Yeah. uh but it co-stars jude law who's in it a lot more and he's great i'm a i'm a huge uh jude law fan um it really stars raphee cassidy or raffi i'm not sure how to say it she was in uh killing a sacred deer um which I'm a big fan of, but she was also in uh, Tomorrowland, which I've not seen, Dark Shadows, and Snow White and the Huntsman, which I've not seen any of those movies. Um, but uh, it, it's... I don't want to... I feel like talking about the movie is a bit of a spoiler, uh, but it does deal with some tough subject stuff at the very beginning of the movie, and then how that tough subject affects the character for the rest of their life. And that's... I feel like... I, I don't know, like, if you're sensitive to, like, real-world tough scenarios being kind of integrated into storytelling, i say maybe avoid this movie, um, but, or, or at least look it up and then decide if you want to, re- to see it, um, it's, it's not long, but it could be very traumatizing if it's something that, like, if it's a subject you're just not okay with. It's not rape, I will say that, um, okay. uh, but, um all right and then so after that i needed some palate cleansing and i i just had on like basic cable stuff and the matrix was on tv so i had that on and then happy gilmore came on which i haven't watched in years and I, was, I watched happy gilmore while it was on tv and then Days and confused came on so it was just like all these movies came on sunday and i just watched them back to back as i was working with like cards and stuff um dazed and confused is such a, a fun watch though um uh, and I actually caught the end of it, and then it played again for some reason on the same channel. So I just – I watched Weird. the whole thing. Um, but, yeah, real, real good. Um, and then I mentioned on, I think, our last episode that I found out the library has movies, and I had rented uh, Lady Macbeth, which actually I want to point out, I also rented Basic Instinct from the library. So if the librarian is familiar with these movies, I I look pretty crazy <laughs> because – They're both very, they're both sexual and both deal with murder. And so it's like, this is weird. I didn't know that about Lady Macbeth. I rented Lady Macbeth because of uh, Florence Pugh, who is an actress that this year, especially she's having a breakout year because she did uh, Fighting With My Family at the beginning of the year, which is the WWE inspired film, um, which I love. It's still one of my top five movies of the year right now. Um, She did Midsummer with Ari Aster that's out in theaters probably starting to fade out because of the lion king has taking over the box office um and then she has at the end of the year she's going to be co-starring in Greta Gerwig's uh second directorial film um little women her take on that classic story uh which has a star-studded cast i don't know if you've looked at Greta Gerwig's little women but you got Saoirse Ronan, Timothy Chalamet, Florence Pugh, um, I think Meryl Streep is in it. Like it's it's ridiculous off the charts like casting. Um after the success of Lady Bird, I think everybody wanted to work with her. So I, I rented Lady Macbeth because Florence Pugh. Um is from twenty sixteen. It is excellent. It is such a good movie if you can see it, um and you don't mind um some again, some pretty twisted stuff. Uh there's some very twisted stuff actually. Um I, I enjoyed it very much though it's but uh definitely dark. Uh then I went and saw The Lion King the Disney remake uh Monday night by myself. Um there was not by myself in the theater, but by myself. My wife and daughter did not go. Um it's it's all right. You know, it is a remake. It feels like a remake and the animals do feel like they are It feels like someone filmed a bunch of real animals and then did like comedic voices on top of them it it's kind of weird you know it feels disconnected almost disembodied it doesn't really <laughs> feel like the animals are speaking like the cartoon does um Ew. yeah so uh, you know that's what a lot of the critics are saying and uh, my review will be up uh, by the time you hear this um so go to com and check that out and the last movie that i watched Corey, I, today it took me uh three different sittings because of uh things getting in the way today but i watched uh, michael mann's public enemies from 2009 uh that's about the real life uh uh criminals of the 30s john dillinger babyface nelson and one more whose name i will forget um but also fbi agents melvin purvis and billy crudup playing j edgar hoover um and your boy giovanni rabisi's in like two scenes uh it's it's pretty good uh there's some there's some stuff i don't love about it there's some stuff i like about it um it's not my favorite Michael Mann film by any means, but it was a story that I wasn't super familiar with, um, and I thought I thought Depp was pretty solid. You know, Depp's always a curveball. I thought in this film he was good, I and mean, I like Christian Bale a lot. I think he's a great actor. So, um, overall, yeah, watched a lot. Uh, it's been a busy couple of days with just movies on. Um, I've been I have been like with the movies that I'm not planning on doing a formal review though. I have allowed myself to kind of throw them on in the background while I do other stuff. Uh, Public Enemies was one of those. I had it on while I was working. I was doing other things. Um, although the end of the movie did pull me in enough where I, like, stopped doing other stuff and just watched the movie. Um, mm. Like, Vox Lux, I really... I was going to review, and then I was doing other stuff, and I, I don't feel like I watched it enough to review. And I don't know that I want to re-watch it. Um, but Lady Macbeth, I ended up getting, like, sucked into. And that I, I did write a review on that one because it's really good. Um... All right, that's what we've been watching uh, before oh I'll, I will say cuz you've been throwing TV and I have been watching uh, Psych a little bit more like I I was doing that and then I faded off of it for a bit but I've I've been throwing that on at night and uh, man, I I really enjoy that show. It's just a lot of fun. Um and I was excited cuz you know uh, the star of Psych is James Roday who is in uh, Pushing Dead which was uh, the film that Tommy Brown Oh yeah. Uh, who we interviewed on this on this podcast a while back. Um and Pushing Dead stars, co-stars Danny Glover with uh, James Ruday. And I did not know, but they had done an episode of Psych together. Danny Glover uh, guest starred on an episode. And I was like, oh, look at that. I didn't realize there was a connection before uh, Pushing Dead. So that was exciting. Um, I really do uh, enjoy uh, that quite a bit. All right. Let's get into the movie of the week. Uh, this is The Searchers. Um... The Searchers is directed by John Ford stars John Wayne Jeffrey Hunter Vera Miles uh, Ward Bond Natalie Wood um which we uh you might remember Natalie Wood from our West Side Story episode that we did back in November I think of last year um and of course she is uh, infamous for the uh, she went missing on a boat with Christopher Walken and another guy um and it's debated if she was (laughs) murdered or not um you know, kind of a iconic story in Hollywood, the Natalie Wood story. Um, so this film, The Searchers, uh, is on the AFI Top 100 list, and one of the reasons why I chose it. Uh, it's also a, a beloved film by many of today's best directors. Um, like, they cite this as a film that they they think is, like, one of the best films ever made. They cite it as a, a source of inspiration. They've all done their kind of take on it. And when I say they, I'm referring to, like, Martin Scorsese, Steven Spielberg, uh george lucas um basically if the director came up in the 70s uh this this was a movie that greatly inspired them so in in many cases they're even willing to uh accredit this for maybe being the inspiration to become filmmakers um i watched a three minute video of martin scorsese talking about why this movie is so important to him that's available on youtube uh and i did that partly because of uh I've I not seen any John Wayne Westerns before this one. Have you?
1: I've never seen a whole one. Okay. I, I can't remember if it was my papa. So, fun fact, my dad changed his name, but my dad was named after John Wayne. Oh. So, my nanny and my papa were big fans. So, I've seen, like, bits and pieces, but never interested to sit and watch a whole thing.
0: Well, and I, I grew up, Uh, not liking Westerns. Like, I I had no interest in in the Western genre as a kid. Um, I think the closest thing to a Western, uh, there'd be two things. The the Back to Future 3, which is a film that I love. Um, although it used to be my least favorite. It is now, I think it is my... I don't think it's my favorite, but I think it's the one I like to watch the most. Um, Mm -hmm. because it is, it is such a, a... It's clearly, uh, Robert Zemeckis wanting to make a Western. And, um uh but as a kid I liked F Troop I used to watch reruns on Nick at Night like all the time of like all the old shows and that was one that I found really funny and not technically a western but it had a western vibe to it um but for the most part I was not a big fan of any westerns I-, I saw Young Guns as a kid and Dances with Wolves which you know qualify but that's because they were at our local theater and that's why I saw them but I never I never sat with my grandpa and watched and like I didn't watch Bonanza or any of that stuff so I was never into westerns um And I I really uh, credit Red Dead Redemption, which I think I mentioned already on the podcast, um, as, like, what kind of opened me up to the genre a bit a few years when the first one came out. And Red Dead Redemption 2 did the same thing. It just really made me appreciate uh, the genre a whole lot more. Um, But that said, I knew very little about John Wayne's characters. I knew of his, you know, persona, his, like, Hollywood representation and... Um, I'm I'm familiar with like his nickname the Duke and I I know him he's been parodied in any like you know Family Guy the Simpsons like there there's been some version of a John Wayne type in things I've seen Uh, That said when I was watching this I was Unaware that this was a movie that he went against type in this role. This is a non John Wayne type of character which I did not know until after watching the movie, and I do think that affected my enjoyment of the film because um, he's a jerk. Like, I don't like Ethan at all. Um, John Wayne plays the character Ethan Edwards, uh, and he's racist. And uh, one of the things Martin Scorsese... uh, Actually, Martin's... uh, Apparently, his take on the searchers is Taxi Driver. Um, He thinks... uh, De Niro's character in Taxi Driver is Travis Bickle is um, Like Ethan uh, He wears his racism mm-hmm. on a sleeve And he does what he thinks is right Despite what others might think And there is even a, a similar plot You know he's go- his goal Is to rescue Jodie Foster's character um, From the Quote unquote Native tribe which would be like the pimps That are whoring her out In Taxi Driver even though she doesn't want to be rescued. And then you kind of get that same idea here um, in The Searchers. So it's, it was a weird, like I would never have thought Taxi Driver and The Searchers, but when it's laid out like that, it's like, oh yeah, okay, it's very obvious that that's the case. But um, I also want to give credit to, uh, um, oh, I forgot the name of the podcast. There's a podcast that I don't regularly listen to, but um, there have been specific episodes that I've gone to uh, they are looking at the afi top 100 um movies like that's what the whole podcast is unspooled um and uh i went uh, it's, it's paul shear and amy nicholson um they they did this the searchers a few months ago and i went and listened to that episode after watching the movie to kind of hear their take on it and um because uh, it is it's such a highly rated film it's on the top 100 list it's a 90. Four on metacritic with only a 15 uh, reviews though because again this movie's from 1956 and it uh, has an 8.0 imdb user score with 73,000 submissions so this is a movie that's beloved and i didn't dislike it but i definitely i much rather watch shane again like if i had to pick which one to watch again i'm watching shane i love shane i didn't love this movie uh what was your take on it Corey?
1: Um, I love that you went for more traditional westerns. Um, I didn't love it either. I didn't hate it, but there were some things that kind of were off-putting. And it does have to do with the racism and i don't know i guess that i haven't ever really listened to john wayne talk though and i love his voice and Mm -hmm. did he ever move into music because i could hear him singing like some really good old country music
0: i I feel like he might have done one or two um musicals now i i really want to watch his version of true grit because i am such a huge fan of the Coens. Mm -hmm. um so, I am curious because he's playing, well, Jeff Bridges is playing his character, Rooster Cogburn, from True Grit. And I'm just like, wow, I can't imagine John Wayne playing that guy. So, I'm curious if it's like a completely different character in in that version. Um, or at least not as big of an alcoholic, maybe. I don't know. but um, Oh, there's even a movie just called Rooster Cogburn from 1975. It's just based on the character from True Grit. Well, that's interesting. Okay, he's definitely a drunk because in the picture on the poster, he's falling down drunk. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, oh, good call. Um, I really, really, really don't know enough about John Wayne. Um, and I, I he's an actor who I, I feel like it's hard for me to like invest in because he is such a genre actor, like all of his movies are going to be westerns and while i appreciate westerns i still don't want to watch so many and so many of them are problematic because they are going to uh, depict native americans in ways that are are no longer culturally acceptable and it shouldn't have ever been but they definitely were or at least because that was the staple um, i mean in this one even the lead uh, the head Indian, they this movie does subvert a lot of the genre tropes and if you're not familiar with the older westerns you may not catch that but like um while the the chief is depicted as uh very violent and hostile the one there there isn't like a big epic fight with him um and we, we won't spoil yet but you know it's things are done differently uh, unfortunately he is a white man um cast when they uh henry, henry brandon plays scar um and my understanding is he is a white actor um uh yeah i'm sorry not only white he's german born um so you know naughty not native american in any way um and so you know that's never good when you when you have that now again at the time period it was very common for white actors to play roles that were not white Um, and often those were depicted as extremely racist scar a little bit i think especially because of the uh, i think a lot of times what we when we think of native americans or what was used to be called indians we have a very hollywood version of what an indian would look like and i don't think from what i've heard and what uh one of the interviews on unspooled actually deals with a uh, professor who's focuses on like Native American, uh, representation in film. And, you know, she was saying how they take, like, aspects of all these different tribes and just, you kind of get this homogenized version of them on screen that totally misrepresents the culture. Um, and so you have, like, the big feathery headdress, which only certain tribes wore, um, and things like that. So, uh, and one thing that I found really weird about this movie, because there is these extremes, like, you know, there's, uh, Nothing is on screen because of the time period, but there is a, an implied rape. Uh,
1: I felt like more than just one. Like yeah,
0: yeah, very much so. Yes, you are correct. More than one murder. Um, again, most of this is off screen, but nonetheless, uh, it's it's these very dark tones, and and then revenge is the driving force of this movie. Like that is what propels them to quote unquote search for uh Debbie, and. When you think of those things. But there's these weird, like, comedic relief elements in the film. And a couple of them, like, don't play well. Like, there's even, like, weird musical, like, cues that feel like a sitcom or something. And it's like, wow, why is that in this movie? And that's what I find so interesting that it's so beloved is because there are... Well, there's amazing, like, cinematography. And there is... It's it's great performances. um, But there's so many things that are, like, problematic that it's... Especially when I look at Shane and compare it to this film, I just, I can, I think Shane holds up really well. And this one does not feel like it, it does in those uh, cultural ways. I, and again, it's a gorgeous film. There's some really awesome shots in this. The, the last shot is amazing, um, but that doesn't, you know, help me deal with the, the subject matter or how the subject matter is handled. Um there like for example uh Martin Polly is one of the characters played by Jeffrey Hunter uh he kicks his uh accidental wife out of bed in one of the cruelest like domestic violence i think i cuz like she's just trying to be sweet and he like kicks her really freaking hard and it's played for humor and it's it that doesn't sit well with me so um is there anything else you want to say before we get into spoilers
1: Mm, no, I had forgotten about that part.
0: The the kick, yeah, yeah, it's super brutal, right? Like,
1: yeah, it's... I I had to actually rewind it to make sure that I wasn't crazy because she goes rolling down a hill.
0: Yeah, real like far, like almost off frame too. Like she rolls out yeah. of frame. It's it's crazy. I was pissed. Yeah. Yeah yeah it bugged me i and especially because he was supposed to be the good guy (laughs) like he's the character i think we're supposed to really be invested in because ethan is such a jerk so like that guy doing that is just like no that's not okay um yeah even the uh the the woman i wish i remember her name from the unspooled interview but um she mentioned uh that scene in particular and how it's already bad enough that the uh the, the woman is depicted as like dumpy and you know like she's she's not a prize to be won so to speak but then that he then kicks her and like abuses her it, because she's a native american it's just it's such a such a i think kind of uh sign of what this movie does wrong um so yeah but let's uh with that listeners that's our um unspoiled review or at least we we kind of dance around some spoilers there but Usually it's a little safer, but this is a pretty old movie and a classic movie at that. Um, but at this point, we like to talk about whatever we want. So, Corey,
1: guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about the searchers in great detail. You've been warned.
0: You know, um, we're gonna we're getting ready to announce our next month episode, and this is going a little behind the scenes. But remember when we were talking before we started recording, and I said there was a movie I thought of but couldn't remember. I'm pretty yes. sure that was it. I'm pretty sure that was the one that I thought of. <laughs> yes. And um, luckily, because again, because I just watched The Searchers and I was like, oh, I really need to watch that one. Oh, that would be really good on the list. So, duh. And but, I feel
1: like I had thought about that too. And then just, is it, I feel like it has to be easy to get a hold of. because – Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it's, it's a, uh, it, it'll be easy. We'll, we'll announce that at the end of this episode, listeners. So if you're curious what we're talking about, don't worry. It's coming soon. But, um, all right, so the last shot. Let's just—I'm going to jump to the end for a second. Um, he he returns. Uh, Debbie, um, kind of forcefully. Apparently, the ending was originally going to be different, and the ending that was described on unspooled, um, sounded much more interesting. I think, but here, uh, Debbie has been MacGuffin. the the MacGuffin for the whole film. They're trying to rescue her. So much time has passed. Like, I don't know if... Like, it's not... The movie doesn't do a great job of telling us how long we're on this journey. Well,
1: it's been at least five years because... At one point, uh, Martin says, is he going to kill us about Scar? And he's like, well, he better. We've been working for this for five years or something like that.
0: Well, and Debbie's like eight or nine when we meet her at the beginning of the movie. And she's like 15. According to IMDb, uh, Natalie Wood plays Debbie at 15. So somewhere between seven well let's say five to eight years or so pass um in this film and there's no real indication like the seasons change a couple of times uh but even that seems a little random and especially because um they're supposed to be in texas and at some point it's like a blizzard like which texas does get snow on occasion but not to my knowledge the level of snow we see in this movie (laughs) like it is way like it's it's clearly not a real texas this is like a fantasy texas which is fine uh you know movies don't have to represent reality in all cases obviously um but uh i so they they get to debbie it looks like ethan is going to kill her because he feels like she has become um what he hates yeah he hates native americans um we, we there's some hints uh as to why he hates native americans like throughout the film like um, the funeral sequence, one of the tombstones says, like, uh, I think it's supposed to be Ethan's mother, like, there, cause it's his brother's land, and, um, it says, like, killed by Comanches or something like that, so, like, there's hints as to why Ethan is so racist. Um, also, the implication is that he is, he's a killer, first, um, and that's what he knows, uh, which is similar to Shane, like, Shane has that aspect um he is a killer and he doesn't view himself as anything else and why he has to leave at the end of the movie is because he can't be a part of civilized society um there's no place for murderers in civilization and um i think this movie has a similar mindset because when he returns debbie they take her in uh it looks like um lori and uh, which lori's vera miles is one of my favorite characters in this movie um, martin and laurie are going to end up together which i don't think is good for laurie because martin's a dummy also um
1: doesn't look like she has a lot of prospects so she can just be a spinster
0: yeah which is that's because charlie was also awful uh some of the accents in this movie by the way are just so over the top like
1: yeah i have no idea what they were trying to depict
0: yeah um but uh laurie and martin early on are really funny the scene where he's taking a bath and she gives him so much crap about being embarrassed is so great um I, I love that scene. She she's my favorite part of this movie for sure. Um, but that last shot that I keep kind of building to is John Wayne framed in the doorway and then the door closing. You know he's not even we don't even see him right off into the sunset. We're we're closing the door on Ethan. It's like literal um, this he's out of their lives after this. He's done this thing. He's he's impacted their lives whether whether for better or worse we won't know, but. You know, we can make some you know inferences based on what's happened in the film, and that that shot—it's a gorgeous shot. It's a really great ending to the film. Um. And yeah, it, you know, there's there's a lot of problems in this movie. I don't even really know what I want to say about this even, movie.
1: Even like um, the way that they kept referring to, um, oh my god, Debbie as the white girl, white girl, white girl, white girl. Mm-hmm. It just seemed very. I don't... I don't know. Um, oh. No other way to describe her but white girl, I mean. Yeah. Because they're, you know, speaking to people that maybe have seen her. Um, I would like to know what the original ending was supposed to be. I'm intrigued.
0: I will try to Google that uh, momentarily if we can, you know, uh, get a conversation going here. But um, there's so many little moments. Like, we, we don't usually go plot point by plot point I don't want to with this particular film because it is kind of all over the place there's like some messed up stuff though let's start with just like Ethan's racism in general um just him seeing Martin because Martin's got like a tan and I think even how Martin's dressed he doesn't like his shirt isn't tucked in he's got the belt so it looks more Native American than it does like everybody else and uh he clearly doesn't like Martin um, and he makes a couple of comments that seems to imply that he's uh, mixed race, although oh, he's not in real life. He, but... Oh,
1: oh yeah. In the movie, he says that he's one eighth. I believe he yeah, says Comanche. I believe, but, you were and then correct. the rest is Welsh and Irish. I believe. Um. Yeah, I don't. Um, and even when, like, when their house is. R- his brother's house is like raided and burned down and all of that i felt like they were implying that his sister-in-law was raped and murdered because he told martin not to go in there he doesn't want to see that
0: yeah most likely um which it's also implied and this is where i think another like plot point um that's similar to shane is uh that martha and uh, ethan were in love at some point but didn't end mm-hmm. up together. Because, like, if you there's little things that They're she does. They're very affectionate. Yeah, and even, like, she, like, stares at him and the way she takes his coat. Um, and the brother even seems kind of like he's not thrilled that Ethan's back. Because he's like, what's your plan? Like, are you, you know, you're welcome here. But it also sounds like, I don't want you here. Like, if you can leave, that would be for the best. And that could be, of course, why. Um, but, uh, so there's that racism right away. And then um, when they find the dead Indian, the dead Comanche Indian um, like buried under the rock, which we don't see again because this is the 50s, so they, a lot of the, the dead bodies and stuff are all off screen. Um, in this case, it's just framed correctly where we can't see what they're looking at. But John Wayne shoots the eyes out of the already dead Native American and then tells us he did that so that based on their belief system... Th- that that per- that now dead person will not be able to ascend to the afterlife because he can't see. And that's messed up because that's like you're not just wanting to kill them; you're well, you're wanting to ruin their own like their afterlife. <laughs> like you know, like that's wow. Okay, um, and well, there's another part
1: um, when he's with the is that the commander, the reverend, who's also like over. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Who's um, the know. same actor who plays, uh, the cop in, um, It's a Wonderful Life.
1: Oh!
0: Yeah, um, I can't think of the... It's Bert, I believe, is the cop in Wonderful Life, because Ernie's the taxi driver, which is the original <sighs> Bert and Ernie, and that's an important thing to note.
1: Okay. Well, well they're at... They're, I think it might have been the first shootout with the Native Americans, and they're, um the Native Americans are, like, rushing at them across that river. And they're shooting at them, shooting at mm-hmm. them, shooting at them. And then he's trying to shoot them even as they're picking up their dead or injured. Yeah, and yeah. The commander's like, let them take their people. And he's like, no. Yeah. I, I mean, well, no that, mercy. And,
0: and later in the movie, he shoots um, a couple of people in the back. And that becomes – he gets, like, a warrant for that. Um, and that becomes a big – you know, again – a hero would never shoot somebody in the back. They would, you know, if they were running away, they'd let them run away. And he does not do that because he is not a hero. He is an anti-hero. And uh, many of the the directors that I mentioned earlier uh, kind of attribute Ethan as the first ever um, anti-hero, at least in film. And I I can't think of one before that. So it's definitely a possibility that this sets up an archetype for what is now... A staple, right? Like the anti-hero is a major part. I mean, look at Deadpool um, being a major anti-hero. You know, he kills, he does things wrong, he curses, he swears, uh, which is the same thing. But you know, he is—he's vulgar, and yet he is deemed a hero, quote unquote, by many. But he's clearly not. And that's um, obviously Travis Bickle would be uh, argued as an anti-hero. Um, Breaking Bad, the TV series, Heisenberg uh, was definitely not a hero. He's an anti-hero. So. It's a common archetype you see in in today's films, but in the 50s, especially in the Western genre, um, that was not the norm. So that, while I did pick classic or iconic Westerns, I do feel like we we leaned heavily into the subversive. Um, Shane might be more traditional in terms of the genre, but this movie is definitely subverting genre tropes, and then McCabe and Mrs. Miller severely subverts the genre tropes. Of course, that's 20 years later, uh, so not as surprising because the Western had pretty much been phased out by the 70s but um with the exception of those subversive type movies but um but continuing with that racism of his uh it just it's so deep it's so embedded and again you're not supposed to see eye to eye with him that's supposed to be the problem and i do think he gets an arc at the end because the fact that he doesn't kill debbie despite her affection for the uh the native americans or at least that initial she says that she those are her people even though she sure turns on them also pretty quickly well
1: i i feel like though she even says to um martin that she waited and waited and waited for him to come and save her and he she prayed to him and he just never showed up of course she doesn't know that for the better part of a decade they have been searching for her um you know, but she's been with these people, and I mean, it, she did become one of Scar's wives, right? Was that correct?
0: I believe that was the implication, yeah.
1: Um, they've been taking care of her, and for some reason they've allowed her to live when they killed her sister.
0: I imagine they... Lucy fought um, because oh, she, fair. Uh, she was like a teenager. She probably was putting up a fight, and it, we are. it is heavily implied that she was raped and murdered in the canyon and that um, Ethan found her and buried her before coming back to the group. He had broke off from the group for a little bit, um, which ultimately gets the, the, her boyfriend killed because he runs off uh, to seek vengeance, and he dies in the process. Which, that's I one was of thinks Oh, go ahead.
1: I was kind of surprised. Like, I know that uh, Native Americans aren't always portrayed in the best light or you know aren't I don't know they're just not portrayed well in no. westerns but I felt like their portrayal was extremely violent in this movie even though we don't actually see most of it and for it to take place in the fifth, or like to have been filmed in the 50s I just felt like there's a lot of ugh, you know hint towards rape and stuff and I don't feel mm. I don't know like, I've really seen movies... I mean, movies.
0: but if, if, let's say they remade The Searchers, which I don't believe they have, but let's say they do a full, like, remake. Uh, there's a lot of, again, movies that are, are paying homage <laughs> to, but not directly remaking. Um, but let's say they made, you know, The Searchers again now. I think, depending on the filmmaker, they would probably lean much heavier into showing the rape sequences. There'd probably be an extended sequence with Lucy. Um... You know, being raped, and it depends again on who's making it. Um, I feel like if it's one of the filmmakers I, I previously mentioned, they would be remaking it with a, affection and love for the original, and probably trying to pay like tribute to. But if it was just like some random guy who got a job in a studio, wants they we have the rights to it. It's a classic film. Let's remake it. I think you're getting a lot more graphic stuff in today's world. You know what I mean? So um,
1: yeah, I. <sighs> i am taking into consideration though that it was made in the 50s i guess i wasn't expecting it when i went in to watch this film
0: well i mean like okay think psycho psycho's uh 60 i think right and then um so i mean there there is a precedence for implied murder or implied sexuality um even if it's not as direct uh but it's it's still there and I, i mean you can go back further into film and see references to things um in that era, but, again, it's how they would do it, and, of course, that would push movies into, you know, dangerous territories of, like, R-rating, which could hurt the studio system or whatever, but um, it's not uncommon, and uh, I'm a big fan, I wish I could say I'm a big fan of Val Lewton's movies. I've only seen a couple of Val Lewton's films, and he is not a director. He's a producer um, and writer of many of these horror films that kind of changed the horror genre uh, in the 30s and 40s, and um but i've been listening to the cat people he did do the cat people um which i have on criterion um he uh he there's a podcast called the uh hidden secrets of hollywood i think is what it's called um it's a really great podcast like if, if you're a film nerd it's a podcast you have to listen to he's done two series that i've listened to in their entirety as of now um the the series on the warner brothers is really really interesting and then the, the Val Luton series is amazing. It's like just – Val Luton become like a hero and all I only know about him from this podcast initially. And I've done some research since then. But um, one of Val's later films, though, the producer was really pushing for it to be like super gory and stuff, which at the time was just like – it was shut down. Uh, they weren't even allowed to like move past the script phase because it didn't get approved because it was so like over the top. Um, which, again, Val didn't want to do, but he was being forced by one of the producers to, like, push the boundaries. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's stuff like that uh, existed, or at least they was trying to exist already in the 40s. So by the 50s, the code's starting to change, the studio system starting to dissolve, and you, you start to get um, edgier movies as a result. I mean, um, and again, they don't use the word rape. You know it's all it's it's very implied like you have to infer it all so if you're a kid watching it i don't think like when he comes back from the 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 valley and he has seen that Lori, um not Lori, uh crap i forgot the other girl's name um lucy uh lucy's been um raped and murdered he never says she was raped it's like you have to have you have to be grown up enough to know what they're well, referring to to get that reference
1: Her boyfriend, though, says that he saw her, I guess, down at a camp in her blue dress or something, and he's like, well, that was a buck wearing her dress.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. But again, like, that doesn't mean that... That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah, because it could. But it could also be, we know that their house was raided, so it could be that that dress was... You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're a kid... I think there's a lot of other ways to interpret that. It's not blatant. Like, yeah. They, they, they raped and killed her or they, you know, I think the the way that even rape is implied, I think he says something about like her innocence or something like that, like is in, in question or something around the, along those lines. And it's, um, you know, again, I... I think we get it, but I don't think like a younger person would get it. So that's where that balance is. Um, and
1: I'm, just imagining like Debbie I feel like they wouldn't have like taken that you know taken that away from her sight. You know what I mean? Like maybe to keep her
0: Oh yeah, you keep her away from. Yeah. Um and, and that's like it's debatable on a lot of things because just like in modern society um just because somebody did something horrific doesn't mean the whole tribe would have approved either. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Um and that's, uh, you know, so, like, we don't know what happened, um, the fact that they do take care of Debbie, uh, there's a lot of things that you could kind of call into question, I think, in results to that, and so, um, yeah, it, it, there's some tough stuff in this film, and it's, it's hard to enjoy, because, like, I don't take any real pleasure from this film, um, the humor. There's a couple of scenes that are funny, but like there's a lot of scenes that are played for humor that I did not find funny. Uh, I did find Mo's to be really endearing.
1: Mo's. Oh Mo- yes.
0: Oh, he's the, the I rocking would chair. S- yes, the rocking chair. I would say he is a mentally handicapped character who is kind of mistreated, but also considering the time period, I would say is is handled more respectfully than they could have. Um, Which isn't saying much of my knee. Like I'm, I'm really reaching to like give this film like, hey, you were a little more woke. <laughs> lot, yeah, would, that what I mean. <laughs> um, but he is still mistreated and like they, they clearly like look down on him. But I found him to be very endearing and um, I like that at the end he's sitting in the rocking chair. Like he got the rocking chair that he'd been, you know, so, uh, so desiring from the moment we met him. And he helps a lot. Um. Even though he is again almost killed at one point, but
1: I um did feel like the most natural humor in the movie did come from lori
0: Mhm. Laurie's um, like the most real character in the movie. Like she's I almost yes. most functional.
1: I love when she and Martin are going back and forth, and he's like, "Well, I guess it's about time we start going steady." And she's like, "Martin, Polly, we've been going steady since we were three yes. years old." Yeah, and it I was just that. so funny.
0: And he's so like what? <laughs> <And she's, laughs> um but uh, actually the other character that I really love in this movie is much much smaller in terms of like what she gets to do, but she's very impactful and that's Laurie's mother. And I want to find the actress's name. Um Miss Jorgensen is played by Olive Carey. Uh who is a, a I think a real life sc- Oh, she's a we're told she was a school teacher in the movie, but I think she was something in real life as well not just an actress um she's in a lot of movies though but um she says she has like my favorite line in the movie that I actually I rarely like type quotes but I was so like just oh wow that's so powerful um I'm trying to find where I typed it but uh there's a moment where Ethan's out there um the husband who has a Swedish accent I think um is talking and he says something about, uh, this country could be great or something along those lines. And <laughs> where, is it? where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Okay, here it is. Um, she says, and I hope this may be off by a word or two, but this is, um, Texicans. She calls them Texicans, which I thought was really interesting, but Texicans ain't nothing but a man on a limb. One day this country is going to be, um, a fi- a fine good place to be, but maybe this country needs our bones in the ground and it's just she's so wise and um it's just oh man i i love that line that was uh, such a cool line in a movie that's kind of doesn't have a lot of great dialogue like a lot of the dialogue is very matter of fact and um real cheesy Ethan says that'll be the day like three times and it's just like okay
1: um i'm gonna kill you that'll be the day
0: (laughs) yeah it's like okay all right then i guess so um challenge accepted yeah <laughs> challenge accepted um i'm scrolling through the quotes on imdb to see if if someone typed it up maybe a better because like i didn't pause and like rewind i just wrote it like as she said it um and i'm curious if if i mess something up uh, oh yeah, here it is um lar Lars says it's this country killed my boy yes by golly i tell you see that that dialogue, that dude's accent is so off. Um, but she says, No, Lars, it just so happens we be Texicans. Texican is nothing but a human man way out on a limb. This year and next, and maybe for a hundred more. But I don't think it'll be forever. Someday this country's going to be a fine good place to be. Maybe it needs our bones in the ground before that time can come. It's just, man, it's just such a powerful line, and she delivers it so perfectly. Um, yeah, Lori and, and her, I think, are the best characters in this movie. Um, I don't dislike Martin as a character, but it's also like, he's kind of like the dumb comedic relief in the movie and it, it, it feels out of place. And then he does kick the Indian wife and it's, it's so upsetting that it makes me not like Martin. And plus like how he kind of mistreats Lori. Cause even the letter that there's that whole sequence where she gets the letter and she's reading the letter and the, what she's reading from the letter we are now getting to see. So it's already happened. Um, while we're seeing it. Like, that's the implication. And he tells her about the wife. But by the time the letter ends, he's no longer with her, the wife. Because the wife is murdered by, the, uh, by uh, Scar's people. So he didn't have to tell Lori that he had a wife. You know, like, if you know there's a woman waiting for you who loves you, and you send a letter where you indicate that you have a wife... That you no longer have. All you're doing is causing unnecessary pain and suffering, you know? Especially because it was a wife he didn't want. It wasn't like he fell in love and got married to somebody else. It was like... He didn't even know what he was bartering for. No. He thought he was getting a blanket. Yeah, so there's really no reason to tell Lori that, right? Like, it's strictly a jerk move. And that is kind of Martin in a nutshell. It's, he does a lot of dumb stuff, and most of them are jerk moves. Um, I just
1: didn't get the feeling he was too bright
0: <sighs> no and the fight that he has with i think charlie is the other suitor he's also him in the face has like one of the God. worst accents in this movie and makes no sense with some of the lines of dialogue he delivers but yeah that fight where he's like biting him and stuff it's so it's so funny <laughs> like again though it feels out of place because there's this weird humor in this movie that i just i don't i don't get like the weird combination of tones that the film takes. Uh, I, <laughs> I totally
1: it. forgot about the musical cues. Yeah. And I can't even remember the one, what exactly happened, but we just, like, get this view of, you know, what? John Wayne. Something just happened, and I swear it's like...
0: <laughs> yeah, there's... And, and then... Martin... Like, there's, like, two different moments where Martin just angrily, like, covers himself up with a blanket to go to sleep. Like, it's, like, comedic. Like, he's upset. Like, well, I'm going to sleep. And it's like, why is it... Why do they keep doing this? Like, what what is going on with this movie <laughs> like it's it, it's so weird the balance of tones in this film like it, it really is it's it's kind of unsettling um
1: i mean i was impressed they kept going for like a million years i mean i haven't had yeah. that happen to anyone in my family but still that's a long time
0: it is a very long time um all right and, I, oh go ahead. Oh.
1: Oh, just that he was gonna shoot her, and then he decides not to, and he carries her home. And I felt like that was a little awkward.
0: Yeah, a little, but it's it's. Um, there, so unspooled brought this up. I mentioned like that it seems like Martha and uh, Ethan have a a past. It's not impossible that uh, Debbie is his daughter. Like there's some hints. What? That it like based on when he left and when he comes back he's you know like lucy is now uh you know he thinks debbie is lucy at first which is impossible because you know he's been gone for like five or six years um he's been gone as long as debbie would be old and uh she also looks a little different than lucy i think lucy has like a blondish red hair and debbie has brown hair um it's that's a theory it's just a fan theory there's no i don't think it's Embedded in the movie, but again, I do think the Martha Ethan relationship is embedded in the movie I think that's pretty blatant, especially as devastated as he is He's more devastated that Martha is dead than he is that his brother is dead um, Which granted maybe that's because Martha was raped as well as murdered uh, But still it, it, even before it seemed like he was more concerned with Martha than he was with his brother Um, So, possibility. uh, And maybe that's what that is, is, like, him holding his daughter. Again, also, it is a callback to the beginning of the movie. He picks Debbie up like that when he first sees her. And so, Mm. like, him picking her up is supposed to be, like, a reference back to that initial meeting um, and him seeing her for the kid she was uh, and not the traitor that he sees her to be now. Um, Because, again, Ethan does arc. That's one of the things that I think is different when you look at the antihero. In a lot of the other movies the antihero doesn't arc. Uh they they are still unhappy. Nothing that they've done has changed their their outlook. I feel like Ethan not killing Debbie is a a major character change. Um or at least a a uh weakness in the armor. You know, he's got this like chiseled armor of like I don't care, I don't love. And him not killing Debbie shows that that's not true. So at the very least, it does it. It says maybe he's not as bad as he comes across. Um, I think I don't think that's necessarily true, but I do think that's what it tries to uh, to imply. But um, I I've got nothing really else to say. Is there anything in particular you want to reference?
1: No, I just wish maybe we would have gone with a different John Wayne movie to start
0: maybe maybe again i i picked this one because it was on the top 100 um afi (laughs) and that's something i'm trying to work through i think i'm 67 or something uh through of the hundred um and there's a few on the list i don't know when i'll get to but uh if i can fit it into a subject i'm gonna try um and again this movie inspired a lot of my favorite filmmakers because uh i the filmmakers that i'm most familiar with are the guys that came out of the 70s um And now, you know, the 2000s and 90s. But, you know, I'm a big Spielberg guy. I love, obviously, I'm a Star Wars fan. So Lucas, well, I think Lucas was better suited as a big picture guy and not so much the director. Um, Proof in the uh, prequels. But um, I still appreciate what he he brought to our world. And um, I am a big fan of Martin Scorsese. Uh, And so, you know, them all loving this movie, it does bug me that I didn't love it. I do wonder if maybe uh, re-watching it with a lot of the context that I've now added through listening to Unspooled and what, listening to Martin Scorsese talk about it, maybe I could see something different. Um, but I still think that it's, it's going to be problematic in the end.
1: Also, I feel like it could have something to do with – I mean, this movie is high, very well regarded, but maybe the age that they saw it, kind of maybe. like how we – because they were, I would assume, pretty young when they yeah.
0: – Martin Scorsese's uh, story, which is the only one I heard. Supposedly, they, a lot of the other directors, there's like interviews with them talking about it. I could not find those, uh, where I found Martin Scorsese's very simply. Um, but he's his is through, I think, an AFI interview um, talking about it. So it's like, it's on YouTube. It's like three minutes long. It's really solid. And he does, he talks a lot about the comparison to Taxi Driver and how the searchers influenced that movie. Um, but, uh, and also, I do want to point out, um, we're not supposed to be rooting for Ethan in this movie. And how big a deal it is for John Wayne, who's this iconic hero of the Western genre, choosing to do this movie is a big thing too. Like Those are important things to note, and I understand that it doesn't make me enjoy the movie anymore, but I do appreciate that the movie is not, it's not encouraging this bad behavior. But I do think some of the comedic stuff is... is not the right call like a little to, cheesy yeah it undercuts what you're trying to do i think it, it points so um i'm ready to give my rating um i'm gonna go decent watch um because i don't think it's a bad movie by any means uh but for like the way the rubric works it's not one that i would want to rewatch a lot it's um uh, i do own it but i only own it so i could have watched it you know i wouldn't have had i seen this i wouldn't be like oh i gotta add this to my collection um you know but i bought it so i could watch it so it's in Here my collection.
1: comes the hate mail. I'm oh. going with <laughs> not a total waste of time.
0: Eh, it's not so bad. Um, Alright, that concludes the month of Howdy Partner, our How-de-lu-ya. foray Westerns. the um, Westerns. We're going into a really... I, I wanted to get a little interesting with our next two months, so I'm going to go ahead and say what the two months topics are. We won't list the uh, September movies yet, but I do want to say what the topic is because they're connected the month of August, we're going to be watching originals. These are movies that we've seen the remake of, but not the original film that inspired it. Um, And so this was a harder list to choose because we had to first figure out what movies had uh, we seen that had a original to inspire them um, and then choose those originals, assuming we had not seen them, which that was where a lot of the problems were is a lot of times when I find out That I've seen a remake I will look I will seek out the original Um, and that's the case for this month so Corey got to pick first and Corey and I are both big fans of John Carpenter's The Thing so we're gonna be watching The Thing from Another World uh, which is a a 1950 something film um, for our next episode Uh, it is available to get digitally it's not free on anything I don't believe but it is uh, easy to rent or buy on I think almost every platform. Like if you're an Amazon person or an iTunes person, you can get a hold of the the thing from Another World, uh, directed by. Uh, oh, I didn't realize it was double directed. Uh, Christian Nigby, N- Nit Nibby? Nibby, no idea how to say that. But Howard Hawks, which is who I've always heard attached to this, but it says uncredited as director. So I guess he's listed as a producer on the poster. Um, the poster, uh, really emphasizes the words the thing and then from Another World are very small, like almost a subtitle. Uh, stars Kenneth Toby, Margaret Sheridan, James Arnis, Robert Cornwaith Wait, Douglas Spencer, James Young, Dewey Martin. Nobody I'm super familiar with. Um, but this is a horror sci-fi film that would later inspire John Carpenter's The Thing, which again, Corey and I are both a big fan of. We've never seen this one. Um, the rest of the month, we will be watching Infernal Affairs. Uh, do you know what movie that inspired Corey? No the departed martin scorsese's the departed um the infernal affairs was a foreign film that inspired that movie um have you seen the departed no i own it really that's one you should check out um you could do it it, for the remake month now that you're gonna see the original oh my
1: god two and a half hours
0: (laughs) oh i broke Corey's rules um (laughs) <laughs> no for uh cory's uh second pick for the month she gets three this month um of august uh she gets she's picked the vanishing from 1988 which is the original of although the american remake in 1993 is directed by the same guy um cory has seen that i've not seen either version so i'm going into that one completely blind i picked a movie i just recently watched the remake of uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I watched David Fincher's version of it uh, not too long ago. Uh, it stars um, Daniel Craig and uh, R- Rooney, Rooney Mara? Mara. Yeah, who is so good in that movie. But I I really, really like that movie, and so I've heard the... Uh, I believe it's the Swedish original is better, and that's hard for me to believe, but it stars Rumi Napase, um, who I like a whole lot, and I believe uh, oh. she's in... Um, one of the... Is she in Prometheus? She's... Yep. Okay. um, She's really good in what I've seen her in, so I'm excited to give this movie a go. Uh, also available digitally. And then uh, we changed this movie in, while we were doing the this podcast uh, because Corey and I realized we both love the Coen's take on True Grit, but we've never seen the John Wayne original. How appropriate to end August with another John Wayne movie. Um, especially because, again, Corey and I both love the Coen's film so that's the month of August we're gonna be watching uh, movies that have been remade that Cory and I've seen the remake but have or at least one of us have seen the remake but never saw the original Um, I've not seen any of the movies that we're watching in August I've seen all of the uh, the remakes except for the vanishing that's the only one I might try to squeeze that in if I can find it somewhere um, before we get to the 88 version that way I will go in having seen the remakes of all of them but none of the originals So, uh, that is our theme for August and again, September, we're going to be watching remakes of movies. We've seen the original, but not the remakes. So flipping the, uh, the premise there, um, looking forward to that opportunity and what we're going to do next month. Um, in the meantime, if, uh, you like what we're doing, we ask that you rate and review our podcast on whatever platform you use. Um, follow us on social media. I am at Burke reviews, Corey. At Corey, our star, two Arts on the end. And uh, check out com for reviews, other podcasts like Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast that I do with Matt Hudson over at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Um, and the podcast I do with him on his site, uh, Movie Astrology. And, you know, we're looking to really push uh, BAMP, Bloody Awesome, a little more uh, with some micro episodes coming out in between our month-long episodes. So... If you like any of what we're doing, please subscribe to all of it. uh, Listen to it, share it with your friends, tell people, and most importantly, listener, keep watching movies. This has been a Berk Reviews podcast. BerkReviews.com
1: Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, and check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts. Covering the entire movieverse, there's something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.